0: Welcome to the Unapologetic Designer Podcast, where we chat controversial design topics and expose the raw truth about life as a designer. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am joined by a guest whom I kind of saw on Instagram and felt a really good vibe through her post. And I was like, I need her on the
1: pod. So, Abby, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name is Abby Layton and I'm a professional brand designer and I work with a lot of awesome companies and I also like to make my own fonts and I also love uh, nature themed design. So that's kind of like my vibe. I need the full background spill. How did
0: you get into design? How did you start your business? Give me all the tea.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So um, I had always been interested in design my whole life. It was like art was my favorite subject growing up. And I remember my art teacher always thinking that I was like the best in the class, which was so cool. It was like, oh, this is the one thing I'm actually good at. So I just kind <laughs> of kept that, <laughs> yeah, literally. And so I was like, I also loved just making art and doing design. So I was like, I should probably just consider doing this. And I just always loved it growing up in like high school. I did like AP art in high school and I eventually ended up going to college at uh, Pratt Institute where I majored in communications design and illustration. that's in Brooklyn, New York. And after I graduated, I actually moved across the country to a small town in Utah called Moab. And um, there I got a a job actually designing the souvenirs for the national parks, like an official kind of job where I got to work closely with the national parks. What? That's so cool. That's
0: such a cool job.
1: Yeah, it was so cool. I basically got to go on work trips to different national parks and I got to design like their official patches and stickers and pins. So that was a really fun job. I really liked it. And um, I did that for a couple of years and I eventually started doing my own souvenirs and creating my own fonts and my own designs and started selling that like in local shops around Moab, like gift shops. And eventually I started making enough money doing that on my own that I was like, I could probably do this like for a full-time job. So I ended up leaving that job and starting my own business. And I started off by doing like souvenirs, but I discovered the world of brand design and I really liked it. And I actually started doing brand design for my um, best friend at the time. She was opening a food truck in Moab. So I was able to brand that and like do food truck wrap and it was so fun and I just fell in love with the whole process and here I am today and now I continue doing that.
0: So you basically did like a reverse uno and I say that because (laughs) most designers like go in and start their business and start like branding and like one-on-one client services and then dive into passive income but you literally did the opposite which I think is really cool and I'd love to hear more about like how you got into passive income and like what that process was like, because I know that that's a really big goal for a lot of designers. And in my experience, I kind of feel like passive income is marketed as like a get rich quick scheme. And there's still a lot of work that goes behind it.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. I feel like, especially these days, I get all these reels that are like, Do you want to just make money from your phone, just working two hours a day? And it's like, there's so much more work that goes into that. And like just starting a business in general, no matter what type of business it is, requires so much work. And I feel like when I started my business, I didn't really... I wasn't really thinking about like oh I'm making passive income I was just like I like the souvenirs were kind of like passive income because I would just like ship it once a month to the different shops and then they would just like sell and um I eventually was like oh it'd be cool to like sell fonts like I wasn't I didn't start making fonts being like oh I want to make passive income I just started making fonts because I loved typography and I really wanted to try my hand at making fonts and um yeah it just kind of grew from there I Got uh, my first shop on Creative Market, and they were they featured me in their first email. Like my first font was featured in one of their emails, so that was really cool, and that kind of jump started my Creative Market shop. And then I got a bunch of DMs from other designers that were like, "How do you make fonts?" So I made like a little course for graphic designers who want to learn how to make their own fonts and draw by hand, and then also market and sell them on their website. So. That's kind of like my little niche that I've un- unintentionally found. <laughs> That's
0: crazy that your first font was featured in their email because there's so many on their website. Like that is insane. Can you share like what type of income that brought you?
1: Yeah, Um, I would say the creative market, well, right off the bat, my first month selling fonts, I made around $300, which was really cool to me. I was like, I don't have to, because once the font is made, you literally just sell it. Like you don't have to do anything. Like creative market acts as like a search engine in itself. So it's already a marketplace that people will find your stuff on, which is super cool. Um, so I don't really, I didn't really have to market my creative market shop, which was super awesome. But yeah, I made about $300 my first month and, um, I eventually started uploading more fonts. And the beauty of it is you get to upload as many fonts as you want and compounded with the sales from creative market. And you can also list your font on like, a bunch of different other sites too if you want like you don't have to just have it on one site like I have it on my personal site and so yeah all that combined I kind of right now I kind of make around a thousand dollars every month selling fonts. How long did it
0: take you to get to that point because like
1: the reason I ask is I
0: think people have this idea that they're gonna like (laughs) they're gonna like make a font and then it's going to like immediately be like a significant source of side income and like $1,000 is great, but that's still not like somebody's full-time income. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It definitely takes some practice. And I feel like you definitely need to have like, you want to enjoy the process of making a font <laughs> for it to actually work. And it does take some practice. Like the first font that I actually had on Creative Market was not my actual first font. Like I had designed like eight, I think, up until that point, and my first couple of fonts sucked. So I would not say it's like right off the bat super lucrative, but I feel like over time it's something you can develop. And for me, like making a font only takes like a couple of days if I'm hand lettering it. So for me, it's worth it. And I just love seeing other designers use my font in their projects. That's like half of what makes it so satisfying, too, is I just love seeing my fonts being used by other people. I feel like you have to be a certain type of designer to be
0: able to make fonts and enjoy it. And I only say that (laughs) because when I was in design school, I made a font and it was like the most basic, like I made it straight from like rectangular shapes and it was so ugly and like you have all the glyphs and like you have to do all, well, I guess you don't have to, but a lot of them have like all uppercase and they have all lowercase Mm -hmm. and I was like, this is too much for me. It's too tedious. So I definitely feel like it's a niche that you have to be like ready to do that tedious mm-hmm. work for
1: yeah you have to enjoy the tediousness of design <laughs> to make fonts which i i feel like it's definitely not for everyone but if you do love that stuff then i would absolutely recommend getting giving a giving a shot at it and you know i created my font course for other designers to learn how to do it and it's i don't price it super high because i mean like you said you're not gonna make like crazy money selling fonts but i know some people that have have like several fonts for sale like s- dozens and they make like thousands every month off of it and like once you build it up it can be a really great stream of income
0: yeah it's like a long-term strategy yes yeah exactly so what type of services do you offer now? I was looking at your portfolio and it's really inspiring. Do you also offer photography and things? Like I saw you had like stop motion in your portfolio. I didn't know if that's something you did or just something that came with a project you did.
1: Yeah. Um, right now I basically do uh, brand design. I do website design on Squarespace or Shopify and Yeah, I also do like, I like to incorporate illustrations into my brand design and like custom typography. And I also do do photography. I think the project you're referencing, I did actually hire out a photographer for it because I didn't have a space where I could like shoot um, a nice photography session. But I do also do uh, photography in my services, like product photography. So that's kind of like what I'm offering right now for my services. So do you basically like subcontract? Like
0: the client pays you, and then you just go and get like a photographer, and you work directly with them to provide your client those assets.
1: Yeah, my the photographer I actually contract used to be my roommate in college, and she was a photography major, and she's actually a freelance photographer now, and she does awesome uh, product photography and food photography. Her name's Elizabeth Coetzee and she's very nice, and her photography is awesome. And so I just kind of work with her on some photography if I need it for a specific project.
0: That's awesome. I think that being able
1: to offer that service is definitely
0: a bonus. And I think that that's like it. That's one of those things where either you have to be really skilled and know how to do photography yourself or you need to be hiring a contractor, Mm -hmm. because I think even when I started, I made the mistake of like, I did learn professional photography at school, but like, it wasn't my specialty. And so I was offering it, but it's like, I couldn't do it as well as somebody who truly specialized in it.
1: Yeah, see, it's definitely a skill that takes a lot of practice and time. Like the girl that I contract, she majored in college and she practiced it for several years and that's how she's built up her skill. And even me, like I do photography, but it's only because I've been shooting semi-professionally for a couple of years and like as a hobbyist for probably a decade. So it definitely takes some time to build up that skill for sure what has
0: your pricing journey as a designer been like? And I know you said you listened to a few episodes. I'm all about pricing transparency and like designers charging more. And so that's why I love asking these types of questions.
1: Yeah. I love talking about it too. Cause I love being transparent about uh, pricing. Cause I feel like so many people have no idea what, like if they're just starting out as a brand designer, they're just like completely unaware of like the possibilities. So um Basically, when I first started brand design, when I back when I did my friend's food truck, I mean, she was my friend and it was my first project and I only charged her 500 bucks for like the whole branding and the food truck wrap and the menu design. And like I did, I even did like a brand photography session for her and that was all just $500. But that's because I know she was my best friend and um, I really wanted to do the project and I really wanted to try my hand at brand design. Um, and so once I did that project, I kind of reached out to other businesses in the area and I started posting uh, my brand designs online. And I did a couple like concept projects that weren't real of just like things that I would love to do as an actual project. And that's how I kind of got my first couple clients is I just posted that everywhere, like my fake projects as well as the food truck wrap project. And um, from there, I kind of grew my pricing. Um, once I got my first couple Uh, clients I raised my rates to around two to three thousand and I kind of did that pricing for a little bit and as I started to get more clients I slowly started to raise it and now I my minimum is around five thousand but I just booked a project that was like a branding and website uh, for brewery and that was seventeen thousand so it's definitely a range and it also depends on like what services you're doing for them but I feel like nowadays my average branding project is around 10,000.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much most of mine are on average between 10 and 12. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And for me, one of the things that has allowed me to just upsell is the fact that I can offer branding and website design as like a pair. And as you were saying, you also can offer photography because you're like subcontracting a photographer. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you're able to become that all-in-one solution, you become an easier yes for clients because why yes. wouldn't they want the in-person doing it if you can do it and you're good at it? Um, but uh, we're working on at the Brief Collective launching a website design course because we've already taught like so many brand designers about pricing and like growing their business and getting clients, and now we're like, okay, website design is the next step for people because. Mm-hmm. It's just easier when you have one person doing it all and like, you know, your client's brand in and out. And I found like in the past, if I had a client who worked on a brand with somebody else and they come to me and they want me to do the website, if the brand wasn't up to par, I'd be like, I can't work with you. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. 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 Have you had any crazy client stories?
1: Um, I don't know if I've had any crazy client stories in a bad way. I feel like I've had one client where I presented them like a creative direction and they had like two revisions, but they just saw the first one and they're like, this was a mistake. I don't want to like move forward. And they just ended the project right there without doing any revisions or anything. So that was kind of my craziest experience. But um, I mean, I've had some good experiences too. Like um, last year I got an inquiry for, branding my favorite podcast that I was actually a huge fan of which was National Ah. Park After Dark and they're like one of the biggest National Park podcasts right now and I got to do their branding and website and that was like one of those like dream pinch me projects so that that's kind of like my craziest project in a good way.
0: Where would you say that most of your clients are finding you nowadays? Is it social media or is it like word of mouth?
1: I would say it's a combination of social media and referrals word of mouth. I feel like not a lot of designers put so much focus on trying to get referrals. And I feel like that's so important because if you offer like a great client experience and you're delivering results and it's something that your clients can actually talk about, like they wanna talk about you to your friends, to their friends and like their colleagues and odds are like their friends are also business owners. And I feel like referrals are so powerful. And I feel like half of my clients come from referrals. So I feel like, and also offering like a referral program is a really good idea. Like if I book a client that you referred me to, then you get $1,000 or something like that. Like something that really incentivizes people to actually talk about you and try to get you uh, more clients is a great way to get referrals.
0: Yes. That's something that we always tell our students at the Brief Collective, like, we put such an emphasis on that client experience because I mean, I think it's great to incentivize clients to refer you, but I also like, you know, you want your clients to literally want to talk about you because they had such an amazing Mm -hmm. experience from start to finish. And that's something that over the years I've constantly refined is like, how can I make this easier for clients? How can I make it better for clients? Like if I was in their shoes, what would I need to move forward? Because, I think one of the biggest things I've noticed is like clients not being able to access things after working with a designer, or not knowing yeah. how to use the things that they've been given.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've also had that struggle too a little bit with like, especially when I was first starting out, I was like not sure how to like offboard properly. So I feel like that is something a lot of designers overlook as well. So just kind of really nailing down an offboarding process and like. Maybe even giving like a client gift when the project wraps up or just something that like would make their day and make it easy for them, easy as possible for them to like access the uh, branding and like use it properly is like something very important to nail down.
0: So how long have you actually been full-time self-employed now?
1: Um, I have been full-time self-employed since the summer of 2021. So about two and a half years now. And I also saw that you're launching a course soon. Tell me about that. Yeah, I basically launched a course for graphic designers that really want to nail down their client process as well as their design process. So I kind of walked them through what it takes to book a five-figure branding project and the kind of process you have to have in place, not only for the client, but to actually create a five-figure branding design. So we walk through... Um, the design process in Adobe Illustrator, as well as um, the actual client process from A to Z and like how to have a rock solid client process. And I also include templates to use um for the throughout the process and different resources like that so I'm kind of in the process of still creating that course right now and I have like a little pre-launch group that I have that I'm kind of working with and I'm asking them what they want to learn and they're kind of helping me shape it which is really fun so that's kind of what I'm working on right now what made you decide to step more into the education space Um, I wanted to step into the education space because I really wanted to scale my solo business. And I feel like I don't want to have a team that much. Like I want to just kind of stay solo and be known for my specific design style. But I'm also like, how can I scale my business where I don't have to rely so much on client projects and I can also help other people. So I think naturally that the answer to that is creating digital products and courses and educational content so that other uh, aspiring designers can learn. I want to help other designers get to where they want to be and also scale my solo business. So I feel like that was kind of the solution to do that.
0: Do you have any tips on finding your style? I feel like you have a very, very specific style. And I think it's so cool. Like I loved looking over your website. And like your specific style, I feel like is one of the things that attracts clients to you. Mm -hmm. So do you have any tips for designers who feel like they're kind of lost or like don't know how to find a quote unquote style that fits
1: their brand? Yes, I feel like experimentation is so important. Like, get out of your computer and like grab an actual sketchbook with like a pencil and like just go outside and like sketch and like find your inspiration for why you want to create designs like outside of design like try to find some inspiration like for me that's like decades from the past and like national parks and nature and I love like traveling and seeing new places and finding inspiration from like a little corner store like their sign looks so cool like the type hand typography on it is amazing and so I just kind of like try to step outside from the computer And try to gather inspiration from outside of the design world and figure out how you can incorporate that into your own work and stop looking at like Pinterest and like other designers work. I feel like that can, I feel like there's a lot of like copycats and like people just trying to imitate other designers. But I feel like if you were to stop doing that and just try to find your own voice and style and step outside of the computer, I feel like that would immensely help in finding your personal style.
0: I agree. Sometimes I'm on Instagram and I'm like, this post looks just like this person's post and this looks just like that person's post. (laughs) And I'm like, are they all using the same template or are people just copying this one source of inspiration? Like what is going on?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I definitely see that. And I feel like, especially when you're just starting out as a brand designer, I mean, it's okay if you're just starting out to like, kind of try to understand where other designers are kind of creating their brand designs, but, um, I wouldn't like try to copy someone else's project for like an actual client and like try to pass it off as, as your own. I feel like it's just a really great idea to just get off the computer, go outside, explore, find, like, look within your interests that are not design and try to find inspiration there.
0: I actually did that recently. I was feeling like kind of uninspired and I took some time away for like a few days and then like I, I went and toured these really beautiful giant houses and it really inspired me like seeing all of the different textures and things and number one I ordered a bunch of new stuff to upgrade my house <laughs> and number two it actually inspired me to like hand paint textures and turn that into packaging for a brand identity project so I can totally see where you're coming yeah. from when, like you just need to get out.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that is like the easiest way to do it. And I think every designer has something unique to offer and every designer has their own specific style. So don't be afraid. Like I know it can be a little daunting to be like, what if my style's not good? Or like, what if no one likes it? And I feel like every designer has something unique and people just don't know what they want until they see it. So just try to create something new and fresh and go open your eyes to the world and see what you can create off of it.
0: Now, I know you said you live in a small town. By small town, does this mean in the middle of nowhere type of situation? Because like your Instagram feed's giving me that vibe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, right now I actually live in Maine. Um, I lived in Moab for a little bit and that's a small town. That was like two hours away from anything. Like the nearest town outside of Moab was 50 minutes away. Um, and where I am in Maine right now, I kind of live at, um, I live at my family's lake house for the winters because it's actually a vacation rental and I just kind of like to live here in the winters because it's a way to save money and it's just a beautiful place even in the winter so it's kind of out in the woods a little bit so I, I love Maine and it's beautiful in its own regards it's a complete different contrast to Moab which is like desert because <laughs> this is like north woods but um, it's beautiful in its own in its own way but yeah I would say I'm like half an hour away from anything here. <laughs> Do you have bad Wi-Fi? Um, I would say sometimes I do. (laughs) Sometimes I think it depends on the day.
0: (laughs) Listen, I live in the middle of the country and the only Wi-Fi that I can get is literally the lowest possible Wi-Fi you can have. Oh, my gosh. That's why I was asking. I'm, like, searching for someone who has, like, to deal with the situation I'm in. Like, uploading an Instagram reel or anything like that takes, like, 20 minutes if it's, like, over 30 seconds.
1: Oh, my gosh. I guess my Wi-Fi is not that bad. But you should look into, like, Starlink or something. I've heard that's a great solution for a lot of, like, rural areas.
0: I did. I did. And, um, listen. I got very upset because I signed up for it thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get it. I'm finally going to have Wi-Fi. And I was like on the wait list. And then when it was time to actually get it, I got an email saying how much it was going to cost. And it turns out that I had signed up for the business plan because the residential plan wasn't available in my area because, quote, unquote, too many people already have it. And the business plan was like $500 a month. Oh, my God. Oh, no. That's so no. crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I had no idea <laughs> it was that expensive. That's crazy. I mean,
0: I'm sure it's a lot cheaper for the residential, but mm-hmm. I guess because it's still newer, it's like there's only a certain range of people within a specific area that are allowed to have it before it like reaches the max capacity.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, man. Well, I hope you are able to maybe upgrade your Wi-Fi soon so you can have better connection. <laughs>
0: I hope so too. I've been doing literally have been living like this since I graduated fully self-employed and started my business. Like I've never, <laughs> even when I was building my design business, I was doing it for my dorm room and like the Wi-Fi there was better, but it still wasn't all that. So I'm just waiting for the day to where we move and hopefully I can have good Wi-Fi because it's going to be a game changer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's huge. You need your Wi-Fi to run your business. So it's important than people think, more important than people think.
0: Yes, it is. Well, it has been a pleasure chatting with you, Abby. Do you have any links or things you want to share with my listeners?
1: Yeah, sure. My website is abbylayton.com, which is A-B-B-Y-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N.com. And my Instagram is at Studio.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unapologetic Designer Podcast. If you'd like to submit your unapologetic design opinions, head over to the link in my description to submit yours anonymously. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can follow our Instagram page or you can sign up to make a monthly donation. I'll see you in the next episode.